who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Listen! Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I'm back, I'm your host Casey DeFridis, and this week we will be talking about the Switch's year in review so far, and if any Nintendo Switch games could maybe have a chance at Game of the Year? I don't know, we'll talk about it. We'll also be talking about Star Fox 64's anniversary, Kazuya and Smash, and Legend of Mana, and even more, if you can believe it. This week I am joined by Per Schneider. Hello! Seth Macy. Mm, what's up super nintendos hello and tom marks hello hi how's everyone doing today i hope everyone had a good last week away from e3 decompress maybe oh my god it never yeah. stops it never <laughs> stops we're, i know that we're planning gamescom actually yeah we are for the second to last week of august right like august That's 25th right. i believe mm-hmm. we'll definitely have a lot going on for that this year like we did last year i assume but Let's talk about the year so far for the Nintendo Switch. We've got five games that got nines and nine games that have scored eights at IGN.com. We've actually had no tens for the Switch since 2018. And I think we can all guess which games those were. Hmm. Actually not. No, we can't. Why well, know one of them was Celeste. I don't remember the other one off the top of my head, but that doesn't matter because that's not in 2021. So let's talk about some of our favorite games that have come out from Nintendo Switch so far and any that we think could make it i know tom you have reviewed quite a few games on this list same thing with you seth and pear i know you've played pretty much everything but maybe we should t- start with the game that is most recent that has gotten a nine that's griftlands which i have very regrettably not played yet but tom i know you played it it's so good yeah uh griftlands is just phenomenal i haven't been on the show in a while and so i haven't been able to talk about this game but like uh yeah it's it's from clay right so they are a, this i love clay because basically they change genre every single game and every time they make a great game right like it's they're they're just jacks of all trades in that it trades in that way and like uh grifflands is 
basically a Slay the Spire-esque roguelike card battler, except with a lot of twists of its own and also a really, really good story and storytelling and, like, dynamic storytelling. This game is just phenomenal to me. Like, I love Slay the Spire. I think Slay the Spire is infinitely replayable in a way that a roguelike should be, whereas Griftlands feels like someone took that concept and was like, what if we made this a really good storytelling storytelling engine as well? Um, and yeah, it. I, I'm in love with this game. I'm super glad it got a nine. I I really cannot advocate for it enough, especially if you like Slay the Spire. But honestly, if you just like weird procedural RPG storytelling too, it's like really really good for that. I'm sorry. The whole time my dog was standing next to me making tauntaun noises. That's why I, I wasn't able to concentrate. But would you say, Tom? Would you say? Griftlands has a chance at nabbing overall game of the year or Switch game of the year like Celeste did. Celeste was a bit of a surprise, right? Right. Or do you think it's a really great game, but you think there'll be bigger things to come? Uh, I think it depends a little bit. Um, this game is going to be in my shortlist, I think, for game of the year, but not like, probably not like way high up there. Like it is not currently my game of the year, okay. but I do think it is absolutely one of the best games to at least have come out this year so far. Man, I, I really need to play this game. I, I um actually ended up downloading Rise of Slime instead, uh, but before this game came out, because uh, people were talking about it on our podcast forums on Facebook, and I, I did not get into it like I did with uh, Slay the Spire. I was a little frustrated with some of the mechanics like in slay the spire you can press a button to read about like if what does burn do and then you can just read the definition of what that does and that was something that rise of slime was missing so i'm wondering if grifflands could fill that that void for me even though like you said slay the spire is infinitely replayable yeah and this game is really good at that sort of stuff too uh those tool tips and that sort of thing rise of the slime was interesting to me too because it got a lot of like pretty nice reviews while it was yeah. in early access and then it left early access and basically the narrative just flipped on it and everyone was like actually this game feels like it needed more time in the oven and oh, no. that was very surprising to me but yeah, yeah. Hmm. well i need to check out this deck building rogue like if do you think it could win like maybe best rpg or anything else like that uh yeah i mean i'm definitely going to be nominating it for some stuff like best strategy best story um it, it is it's really, really cool. One of my favorite parts about it is basically, like, it has a ton of characters that are all, like, the characters are not procedurally generated. They are all um, set-designed characters, and there are dozens and dozens of them, and you can even have, like, basically a, um, like, a Pokedex-style thing of, like, all the characters you've met, and if you've made them your friends, or if you've made them your enemies, like, it, it has all these checkboxes for all that stuff. But what's procedural about the characters is how they're slotted into a run. So one time you might become best friends with this some person, and then the next run you play things a little bit differently or they show up in a different spot and suddenly you've like murdered them on the first day of the campaign, right? Like, and it, it, it's just really cool how that combination of these handcrafted characters who are interesting and have little personalities of their own, but then can show up sort of wherever and in unexpected places is just a really, really neat combo of that, of how to use procedural without making it just feel entirely random. I got a question. If, yeah. If you were writing copy for a Nintendo Direct, how would you describe how this game is coming to the eShop? 
you say grifflands deals its way to the e-shop oh one. god <laughs> this sounds like your wheelhouse <laughs> this is your job set yeah i'm just asking <laughs> questions here i think it sounds like you may have nailed it yeah i i don't think i can do better than you to be perfectly right. honest that's the old, that's the, the most succinct way to describe a game how would the eShop introduction be at the end of a nintendo direct <laughs> but speaking of other games that got nines that are also roguelites i did want to also mention curse of the dead gods which also got a nine reviewed by oh, yeah. Saltzman. this is a he says it's a great action smart strategy and random curses carry curse of the dead gods a top tier of action Ooh. roguelike genre so i uh, i think kind of similar to hades but not hades I think is like how he kind of described it yeah. previously. It's it's really an amalgamation of like a bunch of different. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before, but it's like yeah. it takes ideas from so many different roguelike action games and kind of mixes them all together in in a way that makes it feel like its own. I, I enjoyed this game too. Probably not nearly as much as Hades, but that's also a really really high bar, and it is still just a very fun game on its own. Yeah. And then also in the nines, we have Subnautica Below Zero, uh, which is. It says that Somnotica is a survival game with focus and an excellent sci-fi story, but its greatest achievement is its underwater horror. I've not played a lot. Of, I, I don't think I've played any of these nine games so far this year. I'm I'm yeah, really slacking. I talked about Subnautica a bunch before, but it, my, my son was obsessed or is obsessed with that game. And, and I, I, it is very, very dearly beloved. And I, I do want to catch up on it before Game of the Year vote. We luckily have a little bit of time, but I, yes. I do think that's a... It, it, it's it's going to be up there for some genres, I think. Then we've all we've also got Knockout City, and the reviewer says Knockout City's fantastic spin on dodgeball combat has surprising depth, making it one of the best team-based PvP games in years. It's free on the Switch. I should just I should just play it. I have I have friends. You guys are friends. We should play Knockout City. <laughs> there you go. You guys, have any of you played this? Uh, uh, just a bit is. of it. Not not a ton of it. It's not totally my kind of game. It's kind of a fighting game in disguise a little bit um, in terms of mechanics. Um, and yeah, I, I, this was a game that I think surprised everyone, right? Like, yeah. there's so many, just to be totally brutally honest, so many failed arena shooters nowadays, so many battle royale sort of like, it looks kind of like Fortnite and is just <laughs> sort of copying that. And it's... It's easy to look at something like Knockout City and be like, all right, this is just another one of those. And apparently it is not, that's not fully fair, right? It is, it's, it's doing something different and it is doing it really, really well. This is, however, one that I think hasn't um, had as much staying power as you would maybe expect for how mm -hmm. fun, it, surprisingly fun it was. It kind of took the world by storm for a little bit and then sort of quieted down since then. Um, so that's... You know, a little unfortunate to see when you see, you know, uh, uh, there are so many sort of derivative types that to see one doing something unique and everybody kind of celebrating that, it's a shame that it's not kind of getting a little more continued recognition in that way. But, you know, there are a lot of games out right now. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I mean, my multiplayer game for the past couple of months has been Monster Hunter Rise, so I just haven't really been touching any other multiplayer games and Knockout City is one of them but i feel like that's going to be my excuse for the rest of time so i should just not even bother <laughs> saying that anymore but we also have hitman 3 but i would argue that hitman 3 is best played on not the switch 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a st- it's a, yeah, it's a streaming game, right, on, on, on Switch. So I doubt that it'll be up there for any sort of awards consideration because it is, you know, it is just not quite the same. But, it, you know, at least it's a competent way to bring a more graphically intense game to the Switch. Yes. The game itself is great. I mean, I, yeah. I love I love those dumb games, man. They're it, it, they're just such great sandboxes to mess around with, and like you you could argue that the AI in these games is always really stupid, right? Like it's like the way the characters don't see you or don't see when you shoot somebody next to them is is not the most realistic, but it makes for this very uh, easily understood game world where you you know the exact rules and what will trigger something, and so you can just have a lot of fun with it. It's a they're just such fun games always and you can turn up the difficulty so that they like hear footsteps really accurately and that sort of thing so that is available for people who want even a more difficult challenge there more realistic quote-unquote challenge not that i think anything about that game is particularly (laughs) realistic no (laughs) so those are the five games out on the nintendo switch right now that have all received nines which is for amazing on ign.com but we have quite a few more eights out from this year so far uh nine of them to be exact we're not going to go into detail about every one of them but i think we should call out some of them we think could possibly get some awards this year and i definitely want to call out monster hunter rise is one of those tom i know you reviewed that (laughs) but i think monster hunter rise is probably actually it is my game of the year so far and I think, what I know. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, it's that like his game of the year so far. This <laughs> is a huge shock for for everyone listening and and us. I actually looking at the whole list of games for Switch out this year. I think honestly, Monster Hunter Rise is the only one that could be as a, a game of the year contender. Yeah. So far, so far, mm-hmm. the year is young. Yeah, it's I would not actually. I We're disagree. more than halfway through it. The year is actually is middle age. Oh god, <laughs> still young. Most big games come out in the last quarter of the year. Yes, holiday. Yes. Yeah. It's going yeah. to have a lot of competition, but this this game is probably my contender right now for Switch game of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would. I think I would probably put it in the nominations for game of the year. I agree with that, but I also don't think it is my overall game of the year necessarily. Um, I've been like, frankly, I love this game still. I think it is really, really great. Obviously I gave it a a very positive review. Um, but I I have been a little disappointed with the post-launch stuff, um, and kind of the roadmap going forward with this game. The fact that there's like, I don't know the, the updates that they did the one, one month after release and then two months after release were like really great but not like as meaty as i was expecting them to be necessarily and then like now we just have basically capcom collabs on the horizon and that's it and it's like it's not you know obviously there's a lot to this game already and it's a very fun game but i was just like i was hoping it would have a little bit more kind of to to pull me in consistently Mm -hmm. over these few months and it, it hasn't done that as much for me unfortunately um but that being said I don't want to be super negative on it because it is, you know, the changes it makes to combat in Monster Hunter are just so phenomenal that it like it's just a blast of a game still. It's it's really fun. It's significantly more accessible than previous Monster Ga- Monster Hunter games yeah. as well. But yeah, I I'm also in a kind of a weird spot. I'm not totally sure if I put in less hours into Rise than I did in World because I lost interest faster or because I started 
play I, it causes me physical pain to play too long so i'm not totally sure i kind of like if i play monster Hunter rise for a day i have i can't play any other games that day so right. i'm not totally sure that does muddy the waters yeah it does muddy the waters for me because i'm i'm pretty sure i probably would have put in another hundred hours into this game than i have already but i i don't know i can't be sure but i like it and it's fun um but <laughs> there are other games on this list that we should talk about including bravely default 2 which seth reviewed Hey, I really like that game. I gave it an eight. No way that's going to be game of the year in any category. <laughs> what about any categories? What about no, RPG? I don't think, no, I don't think it'll be the RPG. I mean, look. There I are a lot of RPGs game, out. A lot, but there are, yeah, there's a lot of RPGs. And I mean, I think everybody should play Bravely Default, especially if you love like the old school sort of JRPG flavor, because that's what this one has. It's not for everybody. And that's why I think it's not going to be, I mean, it'll be like, I don't know, runner up. Yeah. Or honorable mention. <laughs> but I love it. It's great. It's not going to win any awards, unfortunately, for Game of the Year. And of course, we have new Pokemon Snap, which I also don't think will be put into the Game of the War Game of the Year nominations. But I also don't know what other category <laughs> specifically what, it would belong to. What genre is it exactly? Yeah. It's always it's always tough for games like that, you know. Like and and Game Builder Garage is obviously on the list too. Like those mm -hmm. those are kind of when it comes to giving awards in categories, you you usually keep it to the big ones, right? That people are most interested in, like role-playing and first-person shooter mm -hmm. and, and all of that, where people are making actual decisions, whereas like in the make-your-own-game category, there are not that many entries that you no. need to have a category breakdown. But that's not to say that these games aren't, it's their breath of fresh air and that they're not a tried-and-true genre and, and do something different. Uh, it, it's always tough for games like that to stand out. Like, go back in time and like look at We Fit games like that that were yeah. really or yeah. or brain Ring training fit. or Ring Fit or right. Pick Cross any of that stuff and like they're never gonna win a Game of the Year award but they're always good. Mm -hmm. The thing that's cool about Game Builder Garage is there could be a future Game of the Year programmer <laughs> learning now how to make games oh, yeah. with Game Builder Garage. There you go. Yeah. I did play some Game Builder Garage, and I am so impressed with some of the games that people have made in here. It's incredible. I know, Seth, it's awesome. I played, I played your game, and then I went over and played, <laughs> played a flat. <laughs> and then you played some that you were impressed by. <laughs> no, I had fun with it. I got the, what was it? Oh, the secret 1 billion secret space yeah. points or something? I got, the, yeah. I got the 1 billion space points, and I felt extremely accomplished. And I, I, you know, I was like, you know what? I could retire video gaming right now. I have all the space <laughs> points. Why would I even bother? Yeah. But then someone told me that someone remade Doom, Flappy Bird, and uh, oh my, oh my gosh, GTA. Uh, I played yeah. a PT remake in Game Boy right. Garage, wow. and I actually screamed. So uh, they're I, they're very <laughs> clever. It's yeah. it's not it's not like dreams or no, you know no, it, no. it is definitely a little simpler what you get out of the game and like the games are shorter and but like people are doing like top down GTA clones and stuff like that, which is just That's it's awesome. just cool. It is, it is definitely a really, really creative uh, app. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people create in the next year. Like, it's, People are going to hack this thing and really figure out some cool stuff. We should do a subcategory, Game Builder Garage Games of the Year. There you go. Whoever makes <laughs> yeah. the best game. We should, we should go back and look at that. But man, looking at, look, looking at the like, design that goes into those games like in the, in the back end, like what you're seeing on screen if you're watching right now, just like <laughs> makes my brain hurt. I'm sure I'd understand it if I went through all the tutorials, but I did not do that's that. About, I think that's like eight hours worth of tutorials, or maybe even more. Yeah, which are are fun and entertaining, but oof, it's a lot. Um, 
it's what you need to be able to actually make those games that i am so impressed by it somehow has a compelling story too i don't understand Mm -hmm. it but you get you fall in love with the little characters yeah they're really cute i like them a lot um but we also have a few other games on that also got eights including ghosts and goblins resurrection persona 5 strikers which tom reviewed yeah does does stand a chance in any category this year i don't know maybe action game okay um I don't think it will have the support it needs for that sort of stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, it is, I mean, it's a great action game. It's a weird one for the Switch, right? Because so, like, I I frankly would not recommend this to anybody who has not played Persona 5 necessarily. Um, I mean, it's still a great game, but, like, it is, so much of it is tied into the story and the characters and what you already know of them uh, that it's a little, uh, I don't yeah. know a little weird to play this game without having experienced all that so like for this it would be hard to recommend it even for like best switch game when like a lot of its history is not on the switch um yeah so yeah. Hmm? go ahead no i was just thinking like persona 5 proper that i think that would have been my game of the year when it came out like when 2016 i, th- I think at ign uh, we picked overwatch that year and i i just you know like the proper five mainline rpgs just such a defining game i think think it was 2016 right in the in 2017 in the u.s oh it came out a year later in the u.s that's right and um what what did we pick well that was the year that breath the wild and horizon and all those other great games came out as well my biggest regret is not nominating persona 5 for best music that year i was insane i hadn't i hadn't been able to put in enough hours that year because it came out right around the time as horizon breath of the wild so i just like that's right and that's something strikers that's something strikers could definitely be nominated for his music yeah. um not all of its music is incredible or as incredible as persona 5 base or royal but like it's still got really really good remixes and really good music in it so that's something i could definitely see it nominated for here um yeah it's 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 a great great action rpg it's just like uh I, I think its reach is a little bit more limited because I think it's one of those games that's going to have come out in February and everyone's going to forget about by the time Game of the Year rolls around, unfortunately. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Yeah. Then we also have Blue Fire, Skull of the Hero Slayer, and Cyber Shadow, all of which also got eights, which none of us here reviewed. But any of you have anything specific you want to say about any of those before we move on? All good action games, right? Yeah. All good plat- action platformers, basically, that are yeah. worth checking out 100%. That's the thing, right? Just because something's not Game of the Year necessarily we don't think is going to like make Game of the Year doesn't mean it's not worth checking out. I'd hi- mm-hmm. I'd still totally recommend Skull. I know Brendan really liked Blue Fire, um, yeah. and I haven't played Cyber Shadow much, but I know Mitchell also really liked that. Slashing yeah. its way to the eShop. Yeah, he compared it. He compared Cyber Shadow to like a Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, <laughs> like the old school Ninja Gaiden. Not yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think generally this year it's it's still I'm I'm at this point where I'm like it's too premature to talk about Game of the Year. Obviously, you can put candidates on the watch list. 
Uh, whereas like in previous years, you would have had like a January release for a Resident Evil game or, you know, big game dropping in March on the PlayStation. But but this year is definitely a little different. And they're, they're awesome games. Like I just finished Ratchet and Clank on the PS5, which is freaking awesome. But like, I still feel like we're waiting for that that big one to drop. Ratchet well, and Clank actually broke multiple times while playing it for the first two hours. I don't, oh yeah? I don't know what I did to that oh, game. Oh, wow. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have that. I fell into the skybox infinitely. I ran into a bug fighting a boss where if I used the rift power, it would stop fighting me. Oh, uh, wow. I, what else did I do? Uh, I did, it just crashed. Not great. I don't know. I did things. I don't, I don't know. It didn't like me. Your magic. <laughs> to Pear's point, too, right? Like... We gave we've we've given one ten in twenty twenty one, and that was to the final cut of Disco Elysium, which mm-hmm. like was just making an already very highly reviewed game better. Right? Um, we gave seven in twenty twenty. Right? Yeah, we year. gave by this point in twenty twenty, we had already given four tens. So like. Wow. 2020 was an explosive year in terms of like large exciting games and 2021 at least the first half of it just like hasn't really been that yet i mean there's been some incredibly good games coming out i'm not saying that it's just like it's yeah it's just been a different kind of pace to the year right yeah for sure it's it it is the the year that I think is more impacted by COVID than yeah. you know last year. Like a lot of pro- right. projects just delayed, and uh, and then you know the Switch has gotten a lot of re-releases um, in recent times too, and like those usually don't win, right? Like we've got even in the past when you had a big game like a shoe in for game of the year like a gta or something come out on next generation consoles it's usually not picked as the game of the year because it's not original and new and all of that um which leads us to i think super mario 3d world right yes (laughs) an honorable mention it got a seven but bowser's fury i think was widely well received i don't i don't know i don't know how to categorize this game because we generally don't consider re-releases and remasters but this has an extra mode, so where do we? Yeah. Where does this go? How do we consider this? I, I love, I love that game, and I, I, I was a little bit lukewarm about Super Mario 3D World coming back and getting the port, and then I played it um, in multiplayer with my kids, and it's just really good. It's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful Mario game. It's different, right? I, I prefer the exploration, more kind of open games like Odyssey or Mario 64 and all of that, but 3D World just does so many things incredibly well and it can be tough and challenging and just fun. And uh, Bowser's Fury, I absolutely love, but it, it does, it doesn't feel like a grand scale Mario release worthy of a game of the year award, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, it is a, a smaller kind of concept of an open world Mario game. And what was there I thought was just amazingly wonderfully done. But I, I also am not sitting here months later going, remembering it and thinking I need to go back, which is mm-hmm. how I'd feel about something like Breath of the Wild, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to to me the question of how we would categorize it kind of is a problem that solves itself, right? Where it's like, well, if we just categorize it as a re-release with new content, then we wouldn't be nominating it for game of the year because we don't do that for those types of games. And if we consider Bowser's Fury as a game of its own on its separately, I don't think we would nominate it because it's a fun but sort of experimental short yeah. sort of thing, right? So it's yeah. like not not again, not speaking ill of it, but like yeah, I I I think it's just like 
you're right. I don't think that it's quite as, um, as you know, enduring as something yeah. else. By that same, same same token, though, we have given Game of the Year to Journey, which isn't exactly a long game, right? Sure. So it's not it's not the the length that that determines whether something is the best of the year, but um, but like it does. It, Bowser's Fury is very much like a full Mario game. It's a very different ex, experience from something like Journey, which is a a unique and kind of a game that hadn't been done before. Um, and so it does feel like you're kind of getting a small scale version of a Mario game you love, um, and I think that that will impact its chances to stand on its own as a as a game of the year winner. Maybe maybe in the Switch category though. I I really love it. If you haven't played it, because you know you've heard people say it's it's short. It's like it is absolutely still worth it. It's on sale right now too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thanks, you Seth. And you could also <laughs> extend your your time with it as well if you try to get all the collectibles. Like that always adds on quite a bit of uh, hours and more challenge to it as well. And and I'm just going to say this, but Mario Golf Super Rush, it, it got a six. I don't think it probably probably doesn't stand to win anything. So moving on, games worth mentioning that weren't reviewed. <laughs> um, I just wanted to do a quick another quick shout out to Monster Sanctuary. It actually recently received a very huge update that also came oh, to really? Switch. Yes, and it, it added a uh, new game plus that lets you take your current monsters into a new game save where everything is much more difficult. So you can keep iterating on your team. It also added different difficulty levels because they said that um, the original difficulty level was too difficult for some people who didn't want to like get into the, the weeds of mid maxing their team. But they also oh. added they also added a higher difficulty level as well and a whole bunch of other things and like fixed multiplayer and there's like a ton of good stuff in there that was a great uh site like metroidvania monster collecting and battling game rpg super great <laughs> yeah i'm glad i, I picked I it up really on your recommendation mm -hmm. yeah thank you for playing that by the way seth i appreciate it i but... i've actually <laughs> forgot that i had it and i'm going to go back to it now because i'm like oh, i really like that game like a lot it does a lot of things that i personally enjoy so were there any other games that you, any of you thought were worth mentioning that have not been reviewed? I, I was trying to think about this and not specifically on Switch, I think. I've played a lot of like really small indie games on PC, but mm -hmm. that, that haven't gotten reviewed and were really fun. But yeah, I like Switch, I think, has been largely covered here and has had yeah. like not like an unexciting year. It's definitely been a good year. It's just been like, like we said, a little bit, just a little bit quieter. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty unexciting year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like, and, and it's not the first time in in Nintendo's history. Like, once in a while, you've got a, a year that's a little slower, and yeah, Nintendo is sinking a lot of time into Breath of the Wild too, which obviously is missing this year. And 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 I think it shows. I think they're. I've seen this before when they have like a big looming project. It kind of seems to slow down everything else and then you know like this whole situation where offices are still not open in in japan are they still working from home it impacts everything like i mean think about it like i i'm looking at our list and i cannot imagine any switch game winning game of the year at this point and that no. to me sounds like a that sounds like an unexciting year for switch especially considering that nintendo nintendo only has one console in the market it's not like you're going but on ds there was this yeah, great I mean, game you know it's like it, it's i appreciate 
Pokemon Snap, and I'm having fun with Mario Golf as well. And I think Monster Hunter Rice is really, really cool. But like, I, I don't, I don't think we're in the running here. I uh, let let me rephrase that. Not an unexciting year for Monster Hunter fans, but otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's this... why I'm like, I'm I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rise did a lot of work. The horizon. Yeah. There's some good stuff on the horizon, right? Yes, there is. Um, yeah. That are, I think, might be even better, higher in the running than anything out so far. Maybe not Rise, but maybe some other things. Uh, we're not going to count Skyward Sword because this is a re-release and remaster, so there are no categories for those. But we are getting Monster Hunter Stories 2 on July 9th next week. And the first Monster Hunter Stories actually was nominated for Best RPG back when that was released for the Game Awards. Uh, I think we, we also nominated it for Best RPG that year. But I think, I think you know, it might, maybe, who knows? But we're also getting Neo The World's End With You, which is also a really good JRPG. And we're also getting Shin Megami Tensei Five, which is also a really, I don't know, I'm saying really good, I assume. I'm assuming these are gonna be decent JRPGs. Uh, that might the be the dark, the dark Horse. I think Shin Megami Tensei might be a, might be a bigger thing than people think mm -hmm. at this point. I'd like, you know, the the preview stuff that we've seen looks pretty promising. And, uh, you know, this is getting the November 12th slot for Nintendo Switch. If nothing else is coming from first party, that might be the big one for Switch for the holidays. Yeah, no, I think it, and I know that Pokemon uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearls, jeez, oh, uh, those are coming out in November <laughs> as well, but I don't, those are remakes, so yep. I don't think that'll. That's not going to go anywhere with that, um, unless we have a, a actual remake category, which I think we may have done that before. But we've done best remake, I think. Yeah. But you know, now you got to go. But is it a, a remake or a remaster or reimagining or repixelation yeah. or whatever? Uh, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we're also getting Worry Where I Get It Together. I know Life is Strange has been critically acclaimed in the past. And we're also getting uh, Super Mario Party Superstars, which may be in the running for maybe best multiplayer game. And yeah. uh, we might be getting Oxenfree 2. And then, of course, I have to mention Metroid Dread. So there's that stuff might to look be forward the, to. That might be the biggest contender, right? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, always, I always thought it's difficult for a, a 2D game to breakthrough and shine but hey celeste got game of the year from ign before as well right or 10 and uh uh so never say never not game of the year but yeah not game of the year it got a 10 that's right it got a nomination yeah. yes mm -hmm. it was at least nominated which it, means yeah. but it was up against contender. it was up against god of war and red dead that year so another stacked year yeah both yeah i gotta say and this will make me very unpopular I'm a little concerned about Metroid Dread. I don't, it's just something about it. It's just not hitting right for me. I don't know if it's the art style or what, but it just feels a little off. I'm with you. Word. I'm with you that I'm not convinced yet. Yeah, uh, I'll say that. That's much. a better way to put it. Yeah, I'm not, even yeah. though I immediately pre ordered the stupid, you know, $80, dollars <laughs> Well, one, you had but. to, or else you'd miss out. So that's, no, but that's extremely true. But but like Samus Returns was, I thought was a competent game, but it's not among my favorites, right? right? Like I feel like every, you know, if you think about Zero Mission or Super Metroid, like it just doesn't live up to uh, to those games. And like there, there were some, I feel like there were some critical choices that I didn't, I didn't like, like Standing Still to Aim, all of that stuff. I didn't, I didn't like. So we'll see. This might be though the 2.0 where they fix a lot of the complaints we had with the uh, with the first one. Yeah, I, 
I hope so. I just, and it's yeah. stupid because I'm only looking at like these little clips, so I can't say anything. But the thing that I like about Metroid and Super Metroid and Metroid Prime is that like instantly in every, almost every screen, you get the feeling that you're alone and the world is out to kill you. And here, I don't know what it is, but it feels like, I don't, or I should say, I don't get that feeling from the huh. little bit that we've seen. And I don't know what it is. And I can't I, quite put my finger. Are you saying well, it doesn't fill you with an adequate amount of dread? It does not fill me with enough dread. Yes, that is true. Metroid it, Dread I mean, rolls its way into the Nintendo Switch this fall. I think I think it'll look. I, I think it'll play. It, it'll be a very tense experience. If you think about like the most menacing parts of Metroid games, were the ones where the timer goes off and it's boo 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 evacuate yeah. immediately and you're running, or when the SAX is coming after you, right? Like those are. Those are the times that where you really feel like she's alone and she's running for her life. And, you know, some people might not like that, just like they don't like running from Mr. X or Lady D or whatever in Resident Evil. But that I, I, I'm pretty excited to see how they pull off this gameplay element and how they hopefully turn it around where Samus gets so powerful that she's got her, her payback moment against these, against these things. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I can't put my finger on it. I'm excited, obviously. I cannot wait for a new 2D Metroid. I love Metroid a whole heck of a lot, but I don't know. We'll like see. Gonna, I feel like we're going to be giving this one a seven. Oh, wow. How are you predicting write it? write that down. <laughs> All right. Then I'll get the review and I'll be like, uh, I love it. It's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, those are all of the games that could have come out so far that maybe game of the year contenders in some categories maybe not the actual game of the year but there are other categories that could be included with and then games yet to come that may score quite well but we'll have to see how we feel about those when they come out we spent a lot of time on that topic but i think it was worth revisiting uh, all of those games this year that you should probably go play like me i'm talking to myself <laughs> But also in other news, it is Star Fox 64's anniversary today. It turns 24. The US version came out on June 30th. Wow. Two months, yeah, two months after the Japan debut. Hair, I know yes. you love Star Fox. And we also just got some quotes from uh, the programmer, uh, Giles Goddard, who is a Star Fox programmer, and some insights on that. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, if it's the anniversary, Nintendo is going to celebrate it in big ways with Star Fox 65 coming out as the big Christmas game <laughs> this year. No, we haven't we haven't heard anything. Uh, you know, obviously the last game uh, didn't didn't do that well. Uh, Zero did only sold 400,000 copies Ooh. on the Wii U. To be great, you know, it probably would do better on 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 Switch. But like mm, that's the lowest it? selling entry oh. in the entire series. Wow. Yeah. So. The uh, the programmer on the original, um, Giles Goddard, who you know you've seen his name around. He's often credited with creating the stretchy Mario face in Mario sixty four, like that little kind of uh, playable demo at the beginning. He says uh, he said in an interview, it would be interesting to do a Star Fox, but not how the other ones were done. I, I think I would just dial it back a lot, and not in gimmicks like you know the stuff Star Fox Zero had, which he's referring to the dual screen setup, and maybe not even put in the free roaming aspects. I would just bring it back, pull it back into what made the original Star Fox fun, and just make one based on that. I don't know how popular it would be, but it would be cool to try. What, what do you guys think? I mean, like Star Fox games, the original was a corridor shooter, right? And mm -hmm. then with sixty four. 
number two was supposed to include it, but but didn't originally come out. 64 added the all range mode where you're flying around, um, you know, and, and you're able to change direction and you're like in a, a 3D do dome. And, and 64 also, though, sold with a gimmick. And that was the Rumble Pack. That was the game that introduced controller rumble, right? And then uh, Star Fox Zero did the whole thing with the dual screen. Then obviously we had the 3D remake of, of 64 that was in 3D. Do you think a game I mean, could sell without a gimmick? Would you consider the first Star Fox Fox's graphics as its gimmick? Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Oh yeah. So it's Star Fox has always had some gimmick that not other games haven't hadn't done before. So <laughs> yeah, they they could they could have done a three D game with Mode Seven, right? Like, but at the time, virtual racing was really popular in arcades, and so they they took this plunge to put some extra power into the cartridge and do a polygonal game. So yeah, it's maybe it's always been a gimmick franchise in some way. I I, I would say I would like to see a new Star Fox in the vein of Star Fox 64. I think it was a really fun game, but it's comparatively, I think a lot simpler than other games out like in general in modern games. And I also wanted to ask all of you if you consider Starlink for the Nintendo Switch like a sort of pseudo Star Fox game because I mean Ooh. it did have it did starships yeah. and it did Star have Fox Fox in it, and on it the yeah Switch. and you can get like that whole game for like $3 at the GameStop bargain bin it, right now. And it's really good but it's It's different, a great right? game. It's super fun. And so the, this is what Giles is getting at though. It's I, I got to say, like, when when you did the mothership attack in Star Fox 64, which was based on Independence Day, that was all the hotness back then, right? Like, with the, the big UFO. Um, it was cool and it was exciting. But I can't say that the open world, the open roaming levels were the most fun. The most fun ones were the on-rails levels. And, like, sometimes they opened up where you would fly into a big capital ship. And so uh, you had the kind of... the the strafing run from like the oh, Death Star or something like it's uh, <laughs> I, I like I like that Seth is now a test signal oh, if you're signal. watching the video uh, the, the video version but like I always feel like Star Fox is best when it throws this obstacle course at you and you navigate your way around this kind of this like turn left and right to avoid obstacles lock onto enemies get like bigger scores by getting most of them like that's when it's most fun to me I would love to return to that. But will that sell? Will anybody buy it? I don't know. No. Is it? I will buy it. Yeah. Is it disrespectful of me to say that the gummy ship levels in Kingdom Hearts remind me of Star Fox? Oh my God! Oh. It is so disrespectful. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You, you picked the worst part of that game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. She picked the Star Fox part. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I like me too. I like Star Fox, but I actually think I actually think the gummy ship levels are. I think this is a really good example of um, how you can still do Star. Like, so it's really easy, I think, to look at Star Fox and say, "Well, I don't know if that genre would just do well nowadays. I don't know if people are interested in that sort of thing. If it's too simple, if it's too on rails, blah 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 blah." But like, it, it's really simple, like to look at something like the gummy ships and sections and just be like, oh, there is a very clear difference between what Star Fox 64 is doing in those on-rail sections and what the gummy ship is doing in those on-rail sections. Because fundamentally, mechanically, they're identical, basically. But like, 
level layout, the activities behind it, the story of like getting calls and being like, I I need help, Fox. Like all that yeah. stuff is like really compelling. And it's just like the gummy ship stuff is like entertaining, but like not right. not nearly as de- deep as all of that. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think there is, I think there's two very real worlds that Star Fox could go, which is it could go the route of Starlink and just say, you know what, we're going to try something different and it's going to have these sections, but like, it's just going to be a different kind of game because Starlink worked really, really well in the context of Star Fox. Yeah. Or I think there also is a world- sell. Yeah, also didn't yeah. sell, but I think that was yeah. more the fault of like the hundred and fifty dollars worth of toys it was also asking you to right, buy. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I think that there is a world where you could make a compelling Star Fox game that is like the original Star Foxes that is really fun. I just think it's smaller scale than like a AAA Nintendo game. I don't think you can yeah. do Star Fox mm. on the scale of Mario or Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I think that people shouldn't be expecting that because you know, Ikaruga and, like, top-down shooters persist to this day, and they're not overly incredibly deep and huge, right? They're just, like, really good at what they do, and they present themselves incredibly well. Um, I'd love a 2D top-down Star Fox, actually. It'd be really cool, like a traditional shmup. But, like, they could also go into the direction of a Star Wars Squadrons, which is a open-level, multiplayer-oriented shooter. Um like something more like Rogue Squadron they right. could do with like these confined levels or they could go back to the concept of you know using their characters they have obviously known characters that are in Smash uh and go Star Fox Adventures again right like what they did with Rare Whoa 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 whoa, whoa. maybe yeah. let's not go that far they could. Let's, but they let's, could let's tone it down pair okay Uh-huh let's not put that evil into the world if it then happens that it's I'm just saying it's better than you remember. Oh, it's not. <laughs> what? I mean, what about a Star Fox ninety nine, like a Battle Royale? Oh, <laughs> I love That'd it. Be really cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with them making the original Star Fox, but just with like nicer graphics and tighter controls and like more than three frames per second. Because I love the Super Nintendo Star Fox. I played hundreds and hundreds of hours on it. I found like all kinds of secrets. I love the branching structure of it. I love that there's a part where you shoot a, a, a giant galactic um, slot machine for no reason. And uh, that's just that weird stuff. Like, yeah, bring that back. And the Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. I like I, that a lot. I got one more. Okay. Star Fox, Star Fox Maker. <laughs> that people design their own levels. They're so simple. They're all obstacles and shapes that you can create. Make you know. Star Fox Maker. Because, like, Nintendo is not just going to do a new version of Star Fox or Star Fox 64. They just don't work that way, right? They need some sort of spark of an idea that's different. And that's how you get games like, you know, Zero, which it was built around the idea of having a, a tablet um, to look closer or utilize in situations. They're not, they're not going to just do Star Fox 64. So maybe a maker, maybe something unique. Well, hopefully we see something about Star Fox sometime in the near future because it's been been too long, unless you count Starlink, in which case it hasn't been quite that long. But still, too <laughs> long since Star Fox. Also, happy 24th birthday, Star Fox 64. And really quickly, I wanted to talk a little bit about Kazuya and Smash, but a little bit more about that Smash presentation. Uh, Sakurai presents, you know, Smash Ultimate. We now have... 86 characters in oh, Smash Ultimate, which Unbelievable. is insane. And I don't, that is not counting the characters like Pokemon Trainer and Pyra and Mithra that you can switch between 
So, and that's also not counting the Mii Fighters, of which we got um, four more, which shattered many people's dreams, I'm sure. But Dante from Devil May Cry, Dragonborn from Skyrim, Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia, and Shantae were all revealed as Mii Fighters only, and only Shantae gets the music track with any of those. I know a lot of people in Japan specifically were actually asking for Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia as a character, as well as some people in the who are, are uh, do I call them pro pro Smash Fighters? The elite. Mm -hmm. We pro we call them pro, pro Smash Fighters. Nintendo doesn't. Okay, we call them pros. Some yeah. of the pros wanted Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Sakurai also went quite into Kazuya, but instead of getting into that, I just want to mention that they're getting he's getting 39 Tekken songs, and the only other Fighter Pass uh, fighter who DLC that came with more was uh, Terry from King of Fighters with 50. <sighs> All, everyone else got around like, I don't know, 6 to 15. What the heck? That's a lot of songs. Anyway, wanted to say this is there's only going to be one more fighter, and I'm oh, pretty man. confident because in Sakurai Presents, he said up until now, we've created all sorts of fighters and stages, gathering all these games, new and old, and compiling them into a single product is a task that has meant a lot to me. Now that I think about it, it's been close to 10 years since Super Smash Bros. for the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS systems were in development. I've been working on this for a long time. You could call it my life's work, but finally, the next DLC fighter will be the last one. There won't be any more after that. So, pretty confident there will not be a Fighter's Pass Season 3. And I also just wanted to mention real quick, we really only had a two-year gap between new content in Smash 4 for the Wii U and a brand new uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate in 2018. So between 2016 and 2018 was the only two years we did not get new Smash content. So just looking back on everything that we've gotten from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is insane. Uh, look... I, when, whenever I hear Kazuda I say something like that, I always hear the uh, song from the Sean Connery movie, Never Say Never Again. Um, it's like, <laughs> he, he may think we're never going to do DLC characters again right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Yeah, this is you the know, dude I that said the last three Smash Bros. games were the last yeah, Smash Bros. True. game. I reasonably believe him that yeah. that's his intent right now, but like yeah. this has these these characters have have kept this game franchise alive and interesting. I'm not, I'm not a Tekken fan, so I'm not that excited about this edition, but it makes sense. And the way you know Kazuya has added is is with just so much attention to detail and care. And you mentioned the number of songs; like it's such a wonderful celebration of fighting games. And it would be sad if the Smash story ends here because they're they're not going to be working on a sequel for a very long time like just how do you even do a sequel at this point this game has everything in it right yeah. and the only thing you could do to expand it is to bring in new franchises as they are announced right like nintendo is going to have a, a a new game and uh a, you know third parties obviously obviously have new games and you could keep it going with character editions i can't imagine they're going to start working on a sequel any like within the next five years or so. Yeah, M Mitchell and I actually were talking about this a little bit, uh, I think it was yesterday, about like where would Smash go from here? And both, he, he brought up a really good point that I think I, I completely agree with, which is uh, whatever the next Smash is, I think probably should go like reboot, super much smaller scale right? Like, because they, they can't top this in terms of the amount of content 
it just would be unthinkable for them to top this in terms of the amount of content. So like, I would like to see them do a game with 20 characters, right? Like pair it down to the core team where they all behave way differently than you've come to know them from the last, you know, five games and just like see what they can do to shake smash up. Cause right now ultimate to me stands is like pretty much the pinnacle of what this series can do. Um, and I'm I'm disappointed or I'm, I'm bummed that they're not doing more characters after this or they say they're not doing more characters after this, but I agree. It's like, it would be easy them for, for them to do so. And I, I, it's, I don't know. It's just, they've just done such a good job with this that it's sad to see it end. <laughs> no, it is. And I don't know, maybe we'll get some surprise characters uh, down the way, like kind of like we did with Bayonetta and Corrin for Smash 4, but I guess we'll just have to see. But Sakurai did say he was retiring, and he also, I think, is not doing his Mitsu column anymore starting soon as well. But, you know, he, who knows? He said he's been retiring before, and he never has. But also, who's to <laughs> say we... I, they could keep doing Smash updates without Sakurai, but I just can't imagine mm. a, a world in which that's the case. So... Well, Jeff Kaplan left Overwatch, so stuff happens. This is, this is true. Stuff Not, happens. Sakurai is probably more closely tied to the Smash community than um, Jeff Kaplan is to Overwatch necessarily. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's it's very sad to see him go, and I think it would be it, it'll be it's a bummer. But um, dude's uh, clearly been working a lot and yeah. deserves a break. <laughs> I agree. And I, I just so appreciate uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. By the way, I know some people uh, criticize my use of saying bros instead of brothers when it's abbreviated, <laughs> like Super Mario Bros. I can do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Who criticizes that? That's crazy. Get out of here. There you go. Um, and I wanted to throw out some quick mentions before we move on to what we have been playing. But also, once again, thank you so much, Sakurai, for everything, all you've done for Smash. Just want to say it again. I really appreciate that series. But some quick mentions. Legend of Mana is getting an anime. It's called Legend of Mana, the Teardrop, Teardrop Crystal. This is going to continue the story after the Legend of Mana story in the video game, which Seth reviewed. And we'll be talking about that in the next section. But I'm worried. I'm a little bit worried about this anime because even though it is being produced by the company that oversaw the animation for Mob Psycho, 100 which has amazing animation uh, the actual animation studios don't have like anything of note as being amazing as, as like great animation i think helsing uh is okay but the rest of them mm, it's a lot of like i'm wondering if this is going to be actual traditional animation or if it's going to lean heavily on cgi which can be done really well but we'll see i'm worried <laughs> well, in the in the game there's a little opening anime segment that is yeah. all hand drawn so okay so maybe it's, it'll it's be like that and charming and sorry my it's very warm in maine so my camera keeps shutting off because it's a safe overheating oh, well, wow. yeah. oh my god you it's it's warm i'm sorry like, like what is warm in maine like 68 <laughs> so, yeah 70 degrees <laughs> oh goodness um, I also just wanted to quickly mention it is Mario Golf and Pokemon Snap's anniversary. We'll talk more about Mario Golf Super Rush and the, what we've been playing part of the show. And I know you heard a ton about it on last week's show as well, but happy anniversary to both of those games. Glad we got new iterations this year. Look at Nintendo, looking at anniversaries. Huh. But also, 
really quick, I wanted to mention that that game company Sky Children of Light is now on the Switch and it's free. This is originally came out on the iOS in 2019 and it's from the award-winning creators behind Journey, which was our 2013 game of the year. And they also made the highly acclaimed flower and it's a social adventure that is set to warm your hearts, quotation marks, quotation fingers. But, <laughs> and we were discussing a little bit before the show, like how does this game make money if you don't buy it? And there are microtransactions, but they are not needed to actually play or enjoy the game. It's mostly you can buy things to gift to your friends that you are playing the game with. And you can also, there were season passes in the mobile game. I don't know if those are, those exist in the Switch. So I don't know, but they said, they said, screw you to microtransactions and that's cool. So cool, nice, free game on the Switch that you can play right now. But let's talk about some games that we've been playing. Sarah, why don't we start with you? I'm playing this game called Mario Golf. I don't know if you guys uh, have have started yet. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm still at the point in the game where I haven't run into what a lot of the complaints um, about the the, the game uh, suggest keeps it from greatness. I'm playing the adventure mode and I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I always think the the kind of like the golfing controls and the way it feels are just dead on. I, I love it. I love the presentation of it. The adventure part, the actual kind of navigating the map part is pretty rote. And like one of my pet peeves in games is if a game teaches you a move. For example, you're playing the adventure mode and you, you're running between holes and you're, the game teaches you how to speed up your character and how to manage your stamina and all of that and how to get around faster. Then you go back to the adventure and none of that applies. I always get so annoyed. I hate that stuff. <laughs> like, it's, it's like It's like games that make you walk slowly in areas <laughs> that you shouldn't have to walk slowly in. It's just giving you controls and teaching you things that you can do and then taking it away is is dumb i hate that don't do that oh. um but the actual the actual like controls the the way the the worlds look all of that i i think it's just really charming and fun and i think the multiplayer aspect of it is is really dead on i love speed golf it's really well made um the major criticism are are there's just not a lot of it it's a it's kind of a slim package, which is, you know, a couple of Mario Tennises ago, we ran into that same issue where, you know, the, these games aren't as big and as, you know, as developed as, as they used to be in Nintendo's history, especially on handhelds. So we'll, we'll, we'll see once I run out of steam. So far, I'm having fun. Yeah, I started this game yesterday and I was greatly surprised by how much actual golf terminology is in there like you can learn a lot about actual golf by playing mario golf and pick up terminology and like figure out how to play and i don't know if it'll teach you exactly how to like swing a club and hit a ball accurately but you'll learn what it means when you miss the hole in our six six negative six past par like um but it's it's fun i had i've had fun with it it looks really good actually uh and i had another technical difficulty yesterday i think i have a i think i have a technical difficulty monster in my house i don't know but i was playing it on, yeah i don't know i was playing an online game and my i was i was sitting right here my switch was literally right in front of me on the desk and my right joy con disconnected and uh -oh. that signaled that i had an internet connection problem so it threw us all out of the game and then it wouldn't let me start a new room because it says I have internet problems and to come back later. Oh, wow. 
So it, it penalized me for my Joy-Con mysteriously disconnecting. I, I, I think you just, I think you just cursed. I, yeah. I think but, I am too. I don't know, man. <laughs> but, but so Casey, you haven't, you haven't played a lot of Mario Golf games before, right? Yeah, not since the 64 and I oh, only okay. played multiplayer with it. It's been so, a long time. <laughs> so I, I do think that, you know, if, if for fans who are casual players and parents who are looking for a different type of game to play multiplayer with their kids, I, I think this is a good pick. I think yeah. this is a, a, a competent, good game. I think the disappointment sets in. If you're like a diehard Mario Golf fan and you really loved what like Advanced Tour brought to the table, I think that's when the disappointment set in, right? Like Because it does feel slimmed down. Okay. Yeah. It, it was fun and the multiplayer was fun. And I like how there are so many different modes. I think you could get a lot of use out of it with playing with, with friends locally, of course. It, it's a great party game and it is it is very i hate the term but it's very accessible like if if you have friends over uh and friends are now allowed to come over in the, uh, again which is wonderful uh you can have a lot of fun with people who don't play games a lot because it is very easy to understand the mm -hmm. base controls of you know hitting the button at the right time so oh yeah uh, yeah so i'm like that, yeah yeah i think it's fun mm -hmm. but seth you reviewed yes. legend of mana i did Tell us I, about gave it, it. I gave it a seven because it is an absolutely beautiful game. Um, both the hand-drawn art and the pixel art are phenomenal. It just, it mm. kind of runs up against the wall because it's a PS1 era action JRPG and there's nothing you can really do to change that. Like the story, and this is something that everybody knows. If you're a fan of Legend of Man, you know there's basically, you don't know what you're doing. You're just running around <laughs> talking to people and they'll be like, hey, come with me and all of a sudden a quest will start. However, you get a guide of which there are infinite number out there and play this game. It's it's so worth it just for the level of work that went into this remake. Like this is an originally a four by three game because it was for PlayStation one and M2, who I love and, and talk about every chance I get about how much dedication they put into the work that they do above and beyond. But basically, they not even basically they redrew every background. So that it would be in high definition and fit 16 by 9 aspect ratio, which is unbelievable. Like from a preservation standpoint, this I would put up there with the Star Trek The Next Generation preservation, which if you're not familiar, they rescanned and re-edited the entire series so that it would be in high definition. They didn't use the original like tapes. They reused the film. And that's kind of what they did here. Oh, they wow. remade this entire game um, or the visuals for this entire game. And if you like old sort of obtuse JRPG style games that are phenomenal and beautiful, like absolutely pick this one up. It's very good. And I, and I loved it. And I loved my time. All 20 hours of me being like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just wandering around from quest to quest. I need to beat this game so I could give it a, a fair review. And yeah, you can beat the, the fastest story mission. Uh, the world record actually is an hour and a half. Oh, and wow. that'll probably wow. be, yeah, it'll be beaten in like, that with the loading times cut down on this version, I think that that will probably be cut down to like an hour and 10 minutes. But like, yeah, it's fun. It, it, it doesn't hold your hand at all. I'm, I'm <laughs> anyway. into it. I, I love I love also the, first of all, the backgrounds look really cool and the redrawn yeah. monsters and everything. And I love that they kept the pixelated sprite look. There's, 
you yes. know, with, you know, made a joke about repixelations and stuff, but obviously, you know, Final Fantasy classics are coming back and there's all yeah. this controversy around what the, what the game looks like and the font. And it's like, I don't like it because we, we have such fun, fun memories of these games that when it doesn't look quite right, it feels like you're playing an imposter. Right. And like yeah. when they, this is especially true when they take, pixelated characters from the 8 or 16-bit age and then they they change them. And like Mario, it's happened with Mario too where you really got to get used to the new look whenever there's a generational up, upgrade. But um, I, I thought they handled it really well. I think it looks good, but still looks the way you remember it. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. It looks like how, you know, probably most people who played this were children, whereas I was like 23 this came out but yeah it's probably how you remember playing it yep. so i recommend it if you are into the mana series at all there's so many quests if you want 100 percent this i think it's like 80 hours so yeah. oh wow a lot of game there i, I think i've said oh wow multiple times because i keep getting surprised by what you say but i think the way that you, <laughs> <laughs> you described it is being remastered so that it looks the way that you remember i think is a great way to put it and I think it'd be nice for more games to have that. And thank yes. you for telling us about Legend of Mana. Just give uh, all the remakes to M2 is what I'm saying. Just let M2 handle them all. They're good. So real real quick, I've been saying Mana. Is it Mana or Mana? I guess it depends, yeah, it depends. on which. It depends. Tomato, tomato. Jersey. It's like, is it, uh, is it Mario or is it Mario? Oh, well, it's oh, Mario. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> Tell that to the entire state of uh, of North or of of New Jersey. Has there ever been? But do you think like people in New Jersey who are called Mario? Then when you meet them, they say I'm Mario. Like if yeah. there if there are any Marios here, just uh, you know write us nbc at ign.com. Yeah, mm -hmm. let us know. Yeah, it's me, Mario. <laughs> Tom, what have you been playing? <laughs> um. Well, I have been playing the Monster Hunter Stories 2 demo, which I uh, enjoyed greatly, but I, Kissy, you and I talked about this a little bit. I think I'm, it's not quite the type of RPG I'm into in the like randomization gotcha sort of aspects of it. Um, but that's okay, because I know that it is a lot of fun for a lot of other people, and I think it is a really cool game for sure. Um, I'm not done with it, done with it, but I, I am losing steam a little bit with it from that demo. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing uh, I wanted to shout out is I've been playing a lot of like random little things. Um, so there were two games that I are smaller that have been mentioned, I think, in Nintendo Directs that I really wanted to, to give a, a little bit of a, a shout out to, which is uh, I played Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective, which was on a Nintendo Direct. Uh, that's like one of those maze book series, uh, that, uh, you know, is very simple. You just like follow through the mazes and it tells a little story. It's very cute. Um, so this is a digital version of that. It's really, really, really well made. It's incredibly cute. It is very simple. It is, I think, a great game for kids. Um, not necessarily a, uh, brain teasing puzzler like, like you you know, if you're looking for that, but it is, the worlds are beautifully illustrated, full of depth, full of character, full of flavor. So that's a very fun game, Labyrinth City. Uh, and the other one I wanted to chat out was uh, Lego Builder's Journey, mm -hmm. um, which is a, I guess it probably doesn't have this on Switch. I played on PC, but it's a 
Lego puzzle game with ray tracing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got like hyper realistic Lego graphics, basically. And it's just this very cute little, it took me like uh hour and a half, two hours to beat. Um, and it's just a, a very cute little wordless story told through Lego people. And it's a very fun little puzzly game all where you're building terrain with Legos and trying to like guide a little Lego person along by placing bricks and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's just a really fun little cute puzzler. And if you like little short brain TZ puzzlers like that, that is one that I think is, is worth checking out. It's it's so charming because it embraces the kind of simplicity of Lego constructions and the characters obviously right. don't, don't have faces. They're not even minifigs, right? They're just these little kind of stick figures. Um, yeah. Uh, like single blocks stacked on top of each other, and like, but it's so charming and you know touching. And uh, I played it on um, on my iPhone. It's part of Apple Arcade, so if you have a subscription, you can get it free as part of that. And like, it's just beautiful the way it's lit and the way the Lego blocks look and sound is just dead on for you know Lego fans. It's just it's just beautiful. Yeah. So those are those are some smaller ones that I'd, I'd shout out you and I'll, I'll repeat those names in a second but real quick i also just wanted to say i also was able to play the monster Hunter stories demo and a little bit beyond that for a preview and you can watch that separately i also was able to talk with the developers where i learned the three major changes that they made in monster hunter stories 2 based on criticism that they received on the first game but you can read all about that there and <laughs> we will there's one thing that I am a bit concerned about that they changed in the second game that they did not address in my interview, but I can't be sure if it's something I should be concerned about until I play the full game. So we'll get back to that when I play the full game. But otherwise, I love Monster Hunter stories. I'm having I had a lot of fun with the preview build. I it's a there it's a JRPG. There's so many things to do. Like you get sidetracked so often. I can see very easily putting like so many hours into this game like i not doing the main story so i'm excited to talk about that once i get to play the full thing and we can talk about that i don't know sometime soon it's it's name but... it's name will forever be cursed for me because i'm just getting the amiibo for this game they're oh, issuing God, issuing custom amiibo for it and like in its wisdom nintendo teamed up with gamestop in the us again which means it's a freaking disaster, and you can't actually order them normally. <laughs> I got this yeah. fly chasing me. Stop it! Um, but I I ordered from Amazon Japan, so we'll see. I I actually got the the Palamute. Yeah, he's right here. I got I got the Palamute from uh, from Monster Hunter Rise. From oh, the oh, nice! Japanese. Is this All, showing up? No, here we go. Also a game <laughs> a GameStop collaboration in the U.S. Yeah, so it was very difficult to get. So I got this one uh, from Japan, Amazon. Thank you for the tip. Like, just just don't put out <laughs> Amiibo if you're gonna only put out two hundred of them at GameStop. Seriously, yeah, stop it, <laughs> stop it. Uh, so thank you for talking about Legend of Mana and Mario Golf Super Rush, Monster Stories Two Demo, Lego Builder's Journey, Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective, and real quick we have just a minute or two to answer this question from Tony Lent. And yes, do you think it's cheating or degrades the experience to make use of the save features in Nintendo Switch Online? Are there cases where you would encourage gamers to play the games without the extra save functionality? Yes, it's cheating. This is, is it? I don't yes, know, but who, because... But, hold on. 
But who cares? Because those like you will never play The Legend of Zelda 2 all the way through to the end unless you are a masochist at the save states. <laughs> I am 100% in favor of the save states. And then if you want to, if you feel like the need like you need a pure gaming experience, go back and try it. But otherwise, who friggin' cares? Yeah, having having the option like if 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 you are the kind of person who cares about this, you have the option to not use it, right? Exactly. And it, and it is a little different um, from kind of built-in checkpoint and save systems. And the games obviously have gotten a lot easier. If you're playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, you can save, you know, before major encounters and all of that or, or replay a battle without losing your experience points. Like, games have gotten easier. So when you go back to these old games without the option, as Seth says, some people are just not never going to finish them, never going to play them. And that, that would be a shame, too. Yeah, it, the, real quick, the way I'll put it is uh, I would encourage people to go back and try it without it if you want to see what that experience was like. But I would not encourage people to go back and do it just because. Because the frank truth is if the technology and the capability was available easily back then, all of these games would have saves, <laughs> yeah. right? So like the fact that they've added them now is just a quality of life adjustment. Yeah. I mean, everyone else's solution back then was to just not turn off the console ever and hope nothing went wrong. So <laughs> yeah. now we don't have to do that. Yeah. Good and, and, job. <laughs> and also remember, like a lot of the 2D games were just like three to six hour experiences. Right. And so mm -hmm. having to replay the levels, it was part of the value. Like they wanted you to play these games for a long time. And then obviously, you know, before that in the arcade age, games you know cycled through four yeah. screens and it was about high scores so things just have changed and the ex expectations of gamers today are different mm -hmm. completely agree and thank you everyone so much for being on nintendo voice chat this week i think we had some really great conversations i appreciate that and if any of you would like to send in your questions to nintendo voice chat you can write to us at nbc at ign.com or respond to our question blog post on facebook at the nintendo voice chat podcast forums on Facebook. Who would have guessed? And if you are listening to us, I do implore you to go over to the IGN Games YouTube channel and watch us to get glimpses of video game gameplay and also our faces, which may be less important. Who knows? But anyway, thank you everyone so much for listening and or watching Nintendo Voice Chat IGN's Nintendo podcast. And remember, NBC is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. Get the... Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.